listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Inclusive AF podcast. I'm Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. Hello. Whoop, whoop. Um, so it is Wednesday, 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 and we are on like a, a blitz this week of recording. So uh, I'm kind of start talking to you, actually, to be honest. <laughs> keep it at 1000. Yeah, keep it real. We're yeah, we we love each other a lot this week. Uh, but we're very lucky because we have great guests that are coming on and, and chatting with us. And today is no exception. So uh, today we have Natalie Egan with us. And uh, Natalie would love for you to introduce yourself, share a little bit about yourself. And then we'll jump right in. Sure. Um, so awesome. Uh, Hi, everyone. My name is Natalie Egan. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Translator, where we build uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, training, and analytics technology for corporations, schools, and nonprofits. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I can give a little bit more about background right now, or you can like kind of try and work that in to questions, but it's up to you all. You're, no, you're the up host. to you yeah share what you'd like to share i so i know a little bit of your backstory but would love for you to share with the listeners a little bit about your backstory sure yeah so uh uh so i'm i'm a serial entrepreneur um i uh i've been starting businesses since i was a little kid uh i think i had my first like official real revenue generating business uh when i was like eight years old um but i've always been trying to like solve problems and help people and make a little bit of money along the way. I had two older brothers that were like in the workforce when I was like looking up to them and, you know, I wanted to make money. So that they all kind of came together for me. And, you know, I've been, I've been uh, stuck with this like entrepreneurship gene or bug or <laughs> whatever you want to call it uh, <laughs> you know, since I was a little kid. So uh, the company I'm running today called Translator, uh, it's my second like major uh, like, venture capital backed uh startup tech startup um i had a company prior to this pri prior to my transition as well um uh called people links um it was also an hr technology it was and it was similar in a lot of ways to what we do today but it was designed to kind of change people's hearts and minds and behaviors and do it at scale i called it change management software um but it was uh that company was basically uh, think of it as like social media guidance software so it's designed to show people what to do on social media at scale uh, and make it measurable scalable and repeatable so it was a rules-based system that allowed for companies to say here are the best practices i want my employees to do on you know for example linkedin um, and it would sort of score their profile and score their activity and um, score their network and then you know guide them to improve those based on benchmarks that were set and anyways uh that company had a had a great rise and it had a great fall and um you know i ended up uh it, long story short i ended up getting fired from that company after it came crashing down by the ceo that i put in um and so that was a hard pill to swallow uh but you know when my life when i thought my life could get no worse and i you know my, my marriage had fallen apart in the background like this big company that I was building had blown up um I, uh, that's when I figured out my truth and my, you know, my, 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 like my identity, my real identity. I had been bearing this on like under like layers of masculinity for years. Um, I was afraid of it. Um, you know, I, in fact, 
uh, I sort of became more masculine to try and hide it. Um, and uh, yeah, I ended up coming out as a transgender woman in 2016. And uh, I always tell people I experienced bias, discrimination, hatred for the first time in my life, you know, uh, at, at age 38, you know, as a cognitive adult, um, was a hugely eye-opening experience for me. It still is. I'm constantly learning. Uh, but I, um, I decided at that time, you know, and there's a lot more to this story, obviously, but I decided at that time that I was going to, you know, I was like, that, this is a real problem, right? And if you know entrepreneurs, we like problems. And this is like the biggest problem I had ever seen. And I didn't have anything to lose uh, at that point because I had pretty much lost everything. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to build technology, you know, to help us understand each other better. Like that was the original idea. Um, and, uh, sort of the, you know, the thesis or the, the question that we had is like, can we use technology to scale empathy? That was the idea. And what we pretty quickly realized was like, you can't understand yourself or sorry, you can't understand other people better until you understand yourself, right. Until you understand your own identity. And I was sort of a walking case study of that. I had actually figured that out on my own and realized there was all this research backing that up. Um, so at the core, our technology sort of became self-awareness technology and it's, and it's grown considerably. It's evolved quite a bit since then, but at the very core, it's about helping people understand their own identity first. And that becomes sort of a gateway for people to learn about other people's identities and other people's, you know, uh, differences and, um, and what makes us unique. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey. Um, it has not been easy. Um, but I'm really excited to be here with you all today. And, you know, thank you for the opportunity to share. There's a, there's, thank you for sharing. And there's so much to unravel. I do want to say you're being a little humble because you are not just the CEO of translator. You are CEO of the award winning translator product because you did win an award when we were at HR tech. And that's awesome. You know, you can add that now. You can add award-winning. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, thank you for for uh, you know bringing that up. Um, and it's it's funny. That's kind of that's how we met in a lot of ways. Was not at the you know was at HR Tech, which was an incredible experience for us. And um, you know, uh, we've been I've been going to HR Tech and conferences like it for a long time. I've been pitching for comp at conferences for a long time and. You know, we've never, we've never won an award like that. Um, you know, I've gotten some awards for like my, you know, like trailblazing award, right? For mm -hmm. being this like, transgender, like uh, tech CEO, you know, that stuff's awesome. But, you know, we had never gotten that kind of recognition uh, as a company and uh, it, it's timely. I mean, and it makes sense. Um, you know, we actually just did a product release over the summer, like earlier in the summer that is, really changed things for us um and and i think made us much more of a platform that people see like i think people thought of us as like a dei point solution before and, mm. and certainly are addressing dei but i think that the the what you saw and what everybody saw at hr tech like opened up people's eyes to like what this could be and you know how dei is sort of integrated into all the different business functions you know talent management you know customer service sales you know performance management leadership development like all of that has to have dei baked into it 
And that's what our this kind of product release enables for us is is to go far beyond just sort of like DEI as a as a training, like it's a DEI specific thing. It's actually integrates DEI into everything. And I think people saw that and it was an amazing experience. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you, I think we should have gotten first place. We got second. <laughs> um, I'm pretty competitive. Uh, but you know, I always I always believe in what we're doing. So it's, you know, it's 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 and it was hard for years when we weren't getting when we weren't placing. I was like, what people, why don't people get this? Mm-hmm. Um, but this, it's an exciting time and we're starting to really scale and, um, you know, good things take time. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think that's one of the things, you know, just the evolution at HR tech, you know, at little sidebar here, you know, I've talked to, you know, the folks that run HR tech and, you know, some of the folks that have participated for years and years. And my question has always been like, okay, so where's the DNI space or where's the, you know, Who's yeah. focusing on this? And and it has been such a evolution that it's now kind of been brought to the forefront of, oh no, everyone needs these tools, needs to know how to, you know, actually do this work in the right way in their role in organizations. So it, it is very telling that you all were in the pitch contest and then also up, you know, one of the winners, like that's huge. And I, I love that. And I I so I, I wanna step back because. The last time, and I, I know we talked about this for a few minutes, the last time I had looked at your tool, one of the things that you're doing, which I thought was just really, really interesting, was around the walk of privilege, but doing it from a technical space. And and I, I think you all still do that. And so I would love for you to just share a little bit about the why behind kind of how you thought through that and why that was changed and, and how you evolved that with technology. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. Um, you know, just in terms of like how we got here. So my previous company, which I had mentioned earlier, People Inks, started off as a training and consulting company. Uh, I I worked for LinkedIn and I left, I left LinkedIn in in 2008, which was early, you know, um, relatively speaking. I left LinkedIn to start a training and consulting company to help companies use LinkedIn. And it was just a training company. And, you know, pretty quickly, our clients were saying, you know, we need to scale this to hundreds of thousands of employees. Like the training that you just gave to 50 people, we have 50,000 people. And and we were sort of scratching our head, like, how are we going to do that? And uh, one of our clients, which is KPMG, big, big, you know, co- big company, um, said, we want you to build a product and and we want you to use LinkedIn's APIs um, for non-technical people out there, sort of like a, like a little portal into LinkedIn to build an app. Uh, we want you to use LinkedIn's APIs to build this as an app. And, and so we sort of accidentally pivoted that company, that training company to become a product platform that could scale to hundreds of thousands of users. Um, LinkedIn in the end did not like what we were doing. That's why that company came crashing down. So we got shut down. Um, but um, this time around, we were much more intentional about our strategy. And so you know, this this thesis I had, like, how do we scale empathy through technology? How do we, how do we, you know, how do we, how do we um, change people's hearts and minds and behaviors for DEI? So we start, we started to study DEI. And I had this like kind of little idea one night, I was like, why don't we pretend to become a DEI training and consulting company? And we're going to study this. And we're going to look for opportunities to insert technology. Um, and, and then we're going to build a product. And then we'll slowly kind of convert that training company to become a platform company. 
I was hoping it would happen faster than it did, but that's really what we've done. Um, and so we started off and I had never been to a DEI training. So I, I hired some DEI trainers and I closed some, some training deals. Like I just kind of used some relationships in my network to get to some decision makers at some companies and said, you know, just try this. And I sat back and I studied the whole thing. Like, why did they buy? Why did they not buy? Like, what was the implementation like? What was the process? What did, what had to happen beforehand? What happened during the event? You know, what happened afterwards? Did they buy again? Why not? Like everything, I studied everything. And I realized pretty quickly, there was lots of opportunities to insert technology to, you know, make it better. And one of the things we realized is that DEI trainings in particular rely on exercises. Uh, there, you know, it's it's you know, good DEI trainings have exercises built into them to help people generate self awareness, to like help them connect with other people. Um, so it's not just you know curriculum that's you know fire hosed at you or or one way. It's you have these interactive exercises, but they were primarily done on paper or you know or stick a sticky note on the wall if you agree with the statement or turn to your neighbor and finish this sentence three times. Uh, or step forward if both your parents went to college, right? Which is the walk of privilege. That was one of the early ones that I saw. And I was like, this would be so much better if it was an app, you know, like that was just like, that was just like obvious to me. I was like, and you know, the walk of privilege, if people aren't familiar with it, you know, I would, if I was facilitating it the old way, I'd line everybody up shoulder to shoulder and I'd read statements like step forward if both your parents went to college or step backwards if you have a physical or invisible, uh, you know, disability or visible or invisible disability. Um, and it's a really powerful exercise, but it's also really highly problematic. Um, you know, you're shaming people and outing people for their privilege. Like it's an ableist exercise that assumes you can stand and walk and, you know, people aren't very honest because it's like, I don't want to step forward anymore. Like people are looking at me, uh, and then there's nothing to show for it afterwards. Like there's no data, there's no, like, there's no follow-up. So we digitized that. So that was one of the early exercises that we built and, you know, it was still done in person at the time, um, you know, but instead of getting up and standing in a line, you logged into a, a web-based app that's totally anonymous. It's just you put in like a unique four-digit pin on a website and it drops you in and you swipe forward if both your parents went to college. You know, you swipe backwards if, you know, you are, you know, are X, Y, and Z, right? Whatever the questions are. Um, and that became wildly popular. I mean, it was a much better way to do the exercise. Um, people were more honest. Um, and, uh, and we were collecting a ton of data that we could help companies organizationally understand privilege and, and marginalization, as well as the participants, uh, in a whole new way without shaming and outing people. And some people still felt shame and they still felt outed, but that's like more of like sort of something that we should examine, right? Like that's more part of like, it's like, why are you feeling shame right now? Like, we're not actually shaming you. Like, it's just, you feel shame. Like, let's look at that. Let's unpack that, right? Or you feel, you know, this way or that way. Like, let's take a look at that. But, you know, because it's anonymous, it allowed for us to do it in a wholly different way. And and that became the IP of our whole platform. And um, and so, yeah, now that's just a piece of a, a much bigger puzzle, um, but, it's it's a it's a great you know part of the platform it's kind of like how we got here in a lot of ways and yeah we just sort of digitized those the workflow that was traditionally analog i mean you know even like people raising hands to ask questions i thought was completely bonkers like i was studying this 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 one of our early trainings and one of the uh, our first facilitators we hired handed out three and a half by five like index cards 
with a pencil to like everybody in the audience. And I said to him, I said, why are you doing that? And he said, in case people want to ask like, you know, anonymous questions. <laughs> and I was like, so they write the question down and then what? Like, and he's like, well, in this case, they'd have to hand it down the row because it was like a movie theater style thing. And I'm like, how many people actually do that? And he said, well, not that many. I said, you know, have we ever thought about why? And, you know, it's because people don't want to write, you know, they, first of all, they don't want to write the, they don't want to write it down and like hand it down the line. What if somebody recognizes it, you know, reads it, like there's all kinds of issues. And then I was like, the bigger picture is well, what if people don't want to raise their hand at all? Like, or we're running out of time or, you know, there, there's all kinds of issues. So we, we had, you know, quickly built the ability to ask anonymous questions to the facilitator only. So like the rest of the audience couldn't even see the question, but it would get sent to the facilitator on on the, like on a smartphone and on a totally 100 percent anonymous. Um, and so it was just like little things like that that we started to like build and build and build and incrementally build. And you know, in the beginning, it was just a it was really just like the walk of privilege and the ability to ask anonymous questions. And then we started to just add more features, and eventually we have a whole SaaS platform that we can license directly to corporations and. You know, it, it the new version, and I know I'm like going off on this, but like the new version actually has like these like this guidance system in it that's designed to help the facilitator facilitate. So it's like, you know, think of it as like training wheels, or I actually the analogy I really like to use is like when you go bowling, you know, and they put those bumper lanes in, you know, it's like that's kind of like any, like the idea with our platform is like anyone can facilitate, right? Now, not everyone should facilitate, but like anyone that wants to facilitate a session could use our facilitator dashboard to facilitate a live training uh, and that you know you no longer can throw a gutter ball. Like you may not throw a strike every single time, but you can't throw a gutter ball anymore. Like that's kind of what the platform does and, and it's cool. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Awesome. I like that you said that. I like, I, you know, because that's, that's kind of what we're finding. I think as we study along this journey, we're all starting to learn more about what's working, what's not working, what can we do with various groups, all of these different things um, that can come up. And I love that it helps the facilitator just because sometimes it's just exhausting, right? So it's nice that somebody else can um, take it and you can feel confident in the content that's getting passed along because that was always the worst we've all been in trainings where they had like two facilitators and then it's like okay now it's david's turn and everybody's like oh david's back <laughs> because it was gonna go in a completely different direction the pace the timing the content how they answered and and so i i think i think that's really neat and i think that's really thoughtful well, a thoughtful tool that's needed and I think the piece that is so important is just the the safety that you're creating with that anonymity. Like as much as we like to think that we are evolved or that organizations are evolved, uh, you know, having a space where folks can ask a question that they would go absolutely no way am I going to raise my hand or write it on a card or any other thing. 
having the safety of I can ask this question and not feel the shame of asking or not feel like I'm outing myself or whatever that might be. Because I think that comes up. I mean, it's happened a ton of times when I'm in training that like after the class, hey, I didn't want to ask this question, but what about this or what about that? And you're like, oh, I wish you would have asked because everyone probably needed to hear this answer. But having that tool kind of in place to help with that is is huge. Um, tell me about the like the ESG piece, because I, I think that's another piece that's that is interesting about what you're doing. So we'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, so ESG, environmental social governance, is you know is driving a lot of the. Um, there, there's sort of like multiple layers to the value proposition, but it's you know ESG is has become a big driver of like why people you know are looking for for a platform like ours that can you know create data and metrics so that they can report back to their board of directors to report to Wall Street to report to their investors. Uh, and ultimately back to the market, right? To their customers, their internal constituency, their employees to say like, this is how we're benchmarking and this is what it looks like over time. And, you know, ESG is really kind of the wild west right now in terms of like, you know, it's it's actually like, a lot of it is sort of being made up like as companies go, right? They're like, we don't even really know what to report, but we know we have to report something. So what do we have? And so our tool is surfacing tons and tons of data. In fact, 98% of our clients that have been using our full platform for more than a year are using our data to report ESG metrics to their to their board, to the investors. Um, so what kind of metrics should they report on? Or what is best practices along that lines? I mean, at the most basic level, like, you know, it's, it's like you can report activity, right? Like and 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 like that is it sounds very basic but it is and it's the idea that you are reporting to your board of directors or whoever the governing you know entity is to say we are doing this and we're doing it on a regular basis we're committed to it we have a program in place like that is that's like super basic that's like table stakes you know as you as you grow from there there's insights that come out of the platform like you know 60 percent of our employees uh, have been diagnosed with a mental health, uh, you know, um, diagnosis. Uh, that's the kind of thing that while the metric itself is, you know, is oh, really just a piece of data, it's like, now what are we doing about it, right? So because of this realization, we have implemented a partnership with NAMI, with the, Nas the National Association of Mental Illness, right? Like, those are the types of insights to say, like, here's here's what we found and then here's what we did about it and we usually our clients kind of roll them into like three categories or three insights where it's like this is what we're reporting up we've got a program in place we're collecting these metrics we have tons of metrics like eye candy data but like what we're seeing that's important out of that data that's helping us change culture and ultimately drive retention and engagement with you know this particular group of people like that's what the board wants to hear is like how are we improving diversity recruiting referrals right and what's interesting is that like and i can't remember the exact number off the top of my head but it's like high 70s percent of our employees of our clients are experiencing an increase in diversity recruiting referrals you know after using our program for more than a year now does that mean it's absolutely attributable to us like not necessarily but it's part of a bigger picture. So that's another metric that they're reporting 
Um, but people definitely do not divert people of diverse experiences, diverse backgrounds, diverse communities don't refer their peers unless they feel seen and heard and valued and respected and, you know, cherished. And like, that's just not happening. Right. As a trans woman, I have a huge network of trans and gender non-conforming people I could refer to work for the company that I, let's say I work for some big company. Uh, I could refer them, but I'm not going to, unless I feel like this is a safer space for them, right? Like this, this is a, it's better than where they are. And I, I'm judging that based on my lived experience. So if the company is acknowledging my lived experience, which is a big part of this ESG, ESG reporting to say, this is the diversity of our organization. These are the metrics this is how we're changing things. And trans and gender non-conforming individuals have a different lived experience. So we are implementing things like, you know, policy changes around insurance, bathrooms, we're putting, we're doing trainings, you know, we're decent, we're putting pronouns everywhere, right? One of our clients, um, you know, the CEO of the company now tells people their pronouns when he gets on stage, right? That's just like something that he's now do doing. And the amount of incoming referrals and inbound, like the number of trans and gender non-conforming people applying for jobs at this company has gone up. It just has, right? But everybody's doing it, right? It's not just in their email signatures. It's when they meet people, right? Like that, that really sort of basic function is changing that culture. You know, it gets down to language. Like how do we help them change their language? Um, so, you know, kind of going backward, back to the original question, like around ESG, I mean, um, you know, it is a very important factor in changing these companies and we have a lot of work to do, right? There's a long road ahead of us. Like I see change at the top of these organizations. Is it trickling down to the front lines yet? No. Are people still being hurt? Yes. Like, you know, is there like... We have a lot of work to do and but like this foundationally will be changing companies you know culture it takes five ten years though for some especially some of these companies and there's others other pieces of it i mean there's like when you look a lot among the whole spectrum it might help maybe it's helping people be more inclusive but then what is the impact on people from underrepresented communities right like i don't have five to ten years for you to figure this out you know, and there's like being able to look at the metrics and making sure that you're seeing that you what you measure is so important, um, especially when there are people that don't want to like verbalize what's actually happening. So there's all this whispering, there's all this assumption of what's going on as we're making these changes. And in looking at the numbers, and saying like what else was going on what was happening at this time was this a fundraising year was this um was there a change in management um or what put those as part of it and it's just good to continue because a lot of people it seems like it, I've, I've talked to a lot of various companies i'm sure we all have some people they they might say that they're committed to diversity equity and inclusion they might even have the money to put behind diversity equity and inclusion but then when you start getting to the metrics and the reporting that people just like want to turn their heads like they don't want to know like don't tell me don't tell me everything that you need to know but we have to start setting guidelines of what's important for people to know um or else you know what what who said it it was like if you don't measure it it doesn't exist and we and and so i'm glad to hear about that um evolution within the product as we're seeing that evolve and become most um important 
Uh, I wanted to ask uh, uh, another question in regards, you know, kind of about the the about what's going on with the with the platform. But where I just wanted to ask, what's on your roadmap? Like, what's on your benchmarks? What's coming next? Are there any, is there anything else around the corner as you continue to build the platform and from the lessons you're learning? Yeah. So um, I think probably. The, and I sort of referenced this a little bit, but the the big um, the big shift for us was, I think you know for a long time, and, and we knew this would be the case. We looked like a training company with a product, mm-hmm. and you know we were we were but we were incubating a SaaS platform that we could license out directly to corporations so that they could sort of they could self implement, or we could license it to third party training companies so they could use it with their clients. Um, and so we've been in that sort of process of building that. And, you know, like I said earlier this summer, there was kind of a big product release that makes that reality. It also like, uh, fundamentally changed, uh, our kind of go to market in a lot of ways, because we went from being sort of a DEI point solution, like where it was, you know, sort of DEI focus with service you know, and a product, but with services wrapped around it to becoming more of a platform where DEI is a use case. Now, DEI is a category, right? So think of DEI as a category with inside of our platform. Now we can add other categories like talent management, like customer service, like, you know, financial literacy, right? Like that's literally a category that we're adding. Um, and in particular, it's going to be focused on empowering, you know, and, you know, the prosperity of women or, you know, and folks identified as women, um, you know, through for, uh, for with financial literacy. Uh, that isn't going to be a sort of smaller category, but it will be a new category for us. But it has an inclusion, you know, DEI layer to it. Mm-hmm. So each one of these content categories that we bring in will have a DEI layer to it because because we, we're kind of having, we'll be governing and, you know, the the content that comes into the platform. Uh, so it's not going to be like you can't just put any content in the platform, but we are going to be opening it up to third-party partners, training companies, to bring their IP, their their training content, which they've been doing, train the trainer, training trainers to deliver the content. Now they can put it in our platform, and they can license that directly to corporations, and they can in, turn their employee, their own employees, into trainers with that content. And uh, so. Kind of what's next is adding more content categories. So talent management is probably the next big category that we're going to add, which is, you know, you've got to have DEI with that. So we're actually solving a much bigger problem for all the DEI practitioners out there because we're we're un, we're taking it from like, hey, we have to do a DEI training to DEI is integrated into all of our training. That's kind of the like the secret sauce behind this. And you know, it's what's going to help change the world, which is what we set out to do when we we started it. Um, so, so that's kind of like I, I think the big thing. Um, you know, to to get a little bit more technical, um, and you know, for anybody that's out there that's listening to this and goes like, I don't get it, I want to see it. Like, you know, I'll give you my contact information, and then I can actually show it to you. But the facilitator dashboard, and Jackie, you kind of referenced this, has an AI built into it, artificial intelligence. Um, that is designed to create a digital co-facilitator that helps the live facilitator facilitate. So if you're familiar with that term, which is an awful marketing term, and it's like, I don't know, it's called deep fake technology, right? So it's like a, it's a- Yeah, we need to work on that. (laughs) Somebody, I, 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 
like it's like awful right but um it, it's a it's a but it's an it's an ai it's a it, it's a human looking being it actually was a human at one point but we we they've been mapped on a green screen and they, they move their arms around and like move their mouth around and then we can you know basically load up scripts and have them present you know part if not a majority of the content in a training so it's actually kind of an 80 20 rule so in any given training the ai delivers about 80 percent of the training right which is the more transactional content that just needs to get said it needs to get said clearly and consistently we do not need to deviate from this content the live facilitator on the other hand is handling the interactive components where it's like oh katie that's a really great question tell me more right like and by bringing in the ai it's not as exhaust as as, as exhausting like jackie this is one of the things you said earlier like it's not as, ex as exhausting to deliver a training because the trainer can actually be more present for the people that are there because they're not like trying to remember the script and make sure they said it correctly so uh so the ai delivers about 80 percent of the content that's built that's live it's out there this product release that we're coming up with just because you asked like what's next which is pretty cool is there's actually this sort of like little like uh almost like think of it as like a uh a teleprompter like a uh like a hidden teleprompter that's built into the platform so that it actually kind of tells the live facilitator what to say and when to say it because they still have a role mm. uh, now th this is just to say like this is what you should say here and you know it's got a little timer to keep you on track um so that's what we're launching next um but what's really cool is that in the future not this first version of it but in the future version uh we'll have like natural language voice processing on the facilitators talk track so we're not recording what the audience is saying but we are recording what the facilitator is saying through their microphone uh, and it allows for us to analyze what they said were they you know did they stay on track were they on time did they mumble you know did they follow the script um and that way you get you know much deeper look of you know analytics at your trainers so you might be let's say you're a big company and you've got five maybe 10 employees using the translator platform to train employees you can now look at that and say oh i'm going to compare jackie to katie and you know jackie's you know she's going off script. yeah i'm gonna have to stay away from like translator she's, when she's, that she's happens a wild <laughs> but you know it's it's just more insight and you know and maybe but maybe maybe jackie's going off script but maybe she has better ratings like we don't know right like that's but to be able to rank and rate your trainers and and do it much more cost effectively like this is pennies on the dollar compared to the cost of traditional live training which is about 250 dollars per person per training session that is industry standard with our platform it's like three dollars per person per training uh, so it's magnitudes of order, you know, you know, in terms of the cost effectiveness, scale, uh, scalability, and you still get, you get a better product, better quality product, and you get better training, and you get data, um, and you get retention engagement of the trainers. The trainers love it. They like you give this tool to people who are passionate about a topic like DEI or talent management. They're going to stay at your organization, and they get better exposure internally because now they're the face of training internally as opposed to hiring a third-party training company and the third-party training companies love it because they don't have to deal with the headache of training trainers and scheduling them and delivering them in unscalable like one-off events now they can sit back and enjoy SaaS margins without you know they're just become like the ip mm -hmm. so we become the delivery platform and the client implements it everybody wins how much do you understand the future of finance 
I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. It's so cool. I did just hear that uh, Bruce Willis was the first person to actually like sell his image and likeness to oh. one of those deep fake <laughs> companies, like that he now is going to be trying to get out of the tower forever for the rest of our lives. He's, there's going to be 75 more of those movies. Um, unnecessary. unnecessary, but thanks. That'll be perfect. That'll be perfect. Uh, Natalie, uh, the way that we like to end our, our episodes is by, you know, sharing one thing that we want to make sure that our listeners hear and take away from this episode. And uh, so I want you to share that and also your contact info. Yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like I've been like talking the whole time. I feel like this no, is your show. no, no, no. Listen, hey. we talk all the time. That's why we have guests. Nobody wants to hear us anymore, Natalie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, first thing that comes to mind when you ask that is you know, I just you know, I always say that you know, representation matters, right? And I feel like that's what we are doing today. Um, and you know, an annoyingly, that's what I have to do like every day. Like when I go to the grocery store, it's like hashtag representation matter. It's like, I'm here. Um, but, you know, it requires, you know, visibility and, and um, you know, and it requires intentional intentionality to, to bring these stories to, to the world and, and it, it, you know, at scale, but also in the local grocery store. Like, um, and so I just want to thank you all for that. And I think just for everybody that's listening, like that is something that you can go do immediately you know, you don't have to implement technology like ours. And I meant to plug all voices earlier. That's another great, you know, anonymous, like reporting technology. Like you can bring in technologies to help change culture in the organization, but like representation is like, that's going to start the process. And you don't have to, you could bring in outsiders, you know, to, to, you know, ERGs. One of the coolest things I've seen ERGs start doing is hiring outside advisors, right? So they're not part of the company. So it's like, you know, there's a, there's an each ERG has an outside advisor. They're paid, but their job is to heart to help start to create representation inside that organization for that identity, whatever that is. And you know that it, it, it makes a difference. Um, so you know, thank you for letting me represent today and uh, representing the trans community and um, and at least a, a you know being able to share my story. Uh, there's hundreds of thousands, millions of stories out there. Uh, that are better than mine and, and more authentic. And uh, well, I mean, not that I wouldn't judge authenticity, but, you, you know, I would say that in a lot of ways that are more important than mine. I mean, I just happen to be. You have to come back and we're, we've been just like, I don't know, are we are we just getting older? Or are we just more engaged? I don't know. We keep having to bring people back because we're like, wait, more questions, more okay, things to talk about. Yeah, I mean, talk about always. Back. Bring me back wow. and I'll shut up. I know you're trying to shut me up, but I want to thank everybody for uh, the opportunity to to be here. Uh, my contact information, if, if you'd love to, I'd love to continue the conversation. You can find me on uh, social media, uh, mostly LinkedIn and Instagram, kind of my two platforms. Uh, but at Natalie J. Egan uh, is how you can find me uh, out there. And then, 
You can email me directly, natalie at translator.company. So it's C-O-M-P-A-N-Y. So it's translator.company. Uh, so you can email me directly and you can also find our website, www.translator.company. And Katie and Jackie, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you all and see your beautiful smiling faces. And I look forward to future conversations and collaborations. Absolutely. Yeah, Jackie, what's your one thing? I just love that Natalie talked about, I mean, we've been saying it forever. And I mean, we all have similar goals in trying to make the world a better place, right? But that it has to be baked into everything, right? Inclusion has to be baked Dude, into totally everything. Stole mine. Uh, well, uh, if you would ever go first, <laughs> then I could steal yours. But I, I mean, just, you know, I was looking at an article and it said, top 10 places for to live. And I was like, for white people, like you, what lens were you going through? Like for people with kids, you know? I'm like, this Perfect. is not, I'm like, oh, I should live there. Wait, I ain't moving to Maine. Are you nuts? Like- I would what? love to see a top 10 places for trans people to live or a top 10 right. places for people with disabilities or top right. 10. You're so right about that, Jackie. That's just like- that's I mean, just like, can we do that? Like we should top 10 um as chosen by katie jackie and natalie right and then we'll just tell them our lenses and then they do with this what you will yes like glaring gap and omission it's like yeah for white people because you could be putting people in danger right like oh move here like i I guarantee if it's if waco texas is on the list i would have to move out because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was my like I don't know good housekeeping. It was like one of those. I know I'm not supposed to. I make feel like it. Waco has turned into the top ten. It's Chip and Joanna's fault, but yeah, you know, trust it's all good. me. Okay, yeah. so um, mine is also just the whole like hey, um, weaving DEI through every training, not just the DEI training, is such a big piece. But I think also what you talked about, Natalie, of just the the representation, and not just the representation, but when you start doing these small things of using pronouns, talking about some of these things, having trainings that are inclusive and are safe and are all of these things, it's that, you know, if you build it, they will come. If you start to have these conversations and invite people to join the conversation, that's when the recruiting shifts. That's when some of these other things happen. And I think it's just, it's a domino effect. And, you know, I've seen it happen when people start ERGs and organizations that it's like folks come out of the word. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm part of that group too. Or, oh yes, I identify as this as well. And you're yeah. like, who would have known? We didn't know that, you know, those folks were in, on the team or a part of the team because they didn't feel safe sharing that. So I think just, you know, that, you know, whole idea of representation and also creating spaces where folks can show up as themselves is huge. Yeah, All right. you can't see it, you can't be it. Um, and one other thing, just real quick, just reminded me back to the ESG stuff. Um, this is a metric again that we that is is where we can't take a full responsibility for, but because of the the nature and the scale of our platform and how we can impact entire companies, uh, one of the really interesting metrics that is being reported up is uh, is you know I think I think for clients that have been using our platform for more than a year. Uh, the full platform for more than a year, there's 62% uh, report reporting an increase in diversity in their leadership team. And it's not that their leadership team has grown in a year or changed dramatically. It's exactly what you just said. It's that they feel more comfortable coming out and identifying mm-hmm. 
in ways they're disclosing things they weren't disclosing before. Um, right. So it's actually like an organic boost to your diversity metrics with your existing teams. Um, and, you know, that counts like that, 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 that is, I mean, yes, we need to do other things, but like it does count. And, um, and so, yeah, if you can't see, you can't be it. So if you're not creating that representation, then people can't come out. Right. You, can't, you know, so anyways. <laughs> Thank you for adding that. I love it. I love it. All right, Jackie, uh, you want to close this out? No, I always forget, you know, okay. I don't know how. Well, this is Katie Van Horn. That's Jackie Clayton. <laughs> We're done now. This has been the Inclusive AF Podcast. Bye. Bye. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.